welcome everyone to this online conversation hosted by the European Centre for International Political Economy on the economic and broader societal value of intellectual property, or IP, for the EU and its member state. My name is Jackie Davis, and today I'm very pleased to welcome Pascal Kernis to this conversation. Pascal is Managing Director of the European Services Forum, ESF, and wrote an insert for the recent ESIPE study on the benefits of intellectual property rights in EU framed trade agreements. Pascal, great to have you with us today. And Pascal, this study underlines the importance of IP intensive sectors for Europe's economy, for trade, but inevitably it always seems that most attention focuses on the impact of policies on the manufacturing sector, on tangible goods, as it were. But of course, most European economies are predominantly service economies. What are the most important effects as you see them of stronger IP for the sectors that you represent? Well, thank you, Jackie, and thank you and, and hello, everyone. Happy to be on this show. Well, the, the important aspect of the IP for the services sectors are more or less the same that for goods to have the protection of the innovation. So when there is innovation and it is shared with others, you, you have to, to sell it and it has to be protected. You would know that intellectual property is, in fact, uh, considered as a service in itself because companies sell the right to use the pattern or to use the copyright or the brand or the mark or the computer software, etc. So this is a, a service in itself and it is very important for services as well as for goods. And, and how important is this framework from, from the services perspective for our competitiveness vis-a-vis -vis other major economies? I was struck a figure uh, you mentioned uh, in the piece you wrote for the study about the export figures showing a widening EU deficit in IP. I think you said seven times higher than a decade ago. So it looks as if our position is weakening. And how significant and important is that for our competitiveness? I would not consider that as a weakness, actually, uh, if we have a deficit in the IPs because we buy much of IPs because um, we have a lot of investment coming into the EU and that means that we are competitive. Uh, for me, the question is, is to be able to compete and, and to, to be able to have constant innovation in the services sectors like in goods. You know, services sectors don't have a research and development department in a company per se. It's a, it's a permanent innovation. It's more complicated to protect uh, and to identify the IP into the services. But, but there is a need to protect uh, because even more in international trade, because in the domestic regulation of the single market of the European Union, you have the domestic protection and regulation in the EU. But when you go abroad, you need to have that protected as well. And, and if we want to be attractive for calling on Foreign direct investment, as you know, the European Union is the biggest recipient of foreign direct investment. Uh, therefore, also when we have investors coming into the EU, we have companies buying licenses into the EU. But that doesn't mean that we're not competitive. Uh, and we keep talking about the services sector as if we're talking about one thing. But of course, it's an incredibly diverse uh, sector. And, and perhaps we don't do them justice uh, when we always group them together in this way. What do we know about the different types of IP and how they matter for different service sectors. Is it different in different sectors or are broadly the same types of IP important? Well, no, they are different in, in many in instances. The IP for the services sectors is not like for goods where you have a patent and you have discovered a new product and you 
ask for, you protect the license through, through a patent for pharmaceutical, for medicine, for engineering into the car industry or machinery, etc. As you know, services are intangible and protection itself is intangible. So we are actually talking about invisible protection of invisible things. And that is where it is more complicated. In services, we talk about uh, the copyright for the computer software. So when you have, you know, you, you buy, you buy uh, a software on, on your computer and, and the updates, you pay some, some rights and that is a copyright. Same for the video games, same for cinema and film and all the broadcasting content, a lot of uh, copyrights in there. Other aspect of IP in services is, is a franchising. You know, the luxury brew, uh, brand uh, of clothes like Zara and Louis Vuitton and uh, all the sports now, uh, Adidas and Nike sh- shoes, etc. All these stores that you, you have in the shopping malls are actually have, you have the franchisee who is uh, buying a license to be part of this chain. And these, uh, the fees to be part of this franchisee, of this franchising, uh, are royalties. So they are also intellectual properties. Another example is also, for instance, for the professional services uh, like the accounting or the, the big law firms network, they have a global network and each of the partners buy an annual subscription fee to be part of that network. And this fee is royalties as well. So that is also intellectual property. So it's not always considered and understood like, like, like intellectual property, but that is intellectual property. Mm. So I'm wondering, I mean, you're describing there, as you say, a pretty complex landscape. You said invisible protection for invisible things. Before we come on to the trade aspects, it occurs to me listening to you that, that many small service providers may not be aware or or acutely aware of the importance of IP for their business. And they might see the issue we're going to focus on in a moment, IP and trade strategies are something that's really far off, totally abstract. Why should we worry about this? We've got more important concerns. How would you reply to them, not only about the importance of IP generally, but its relevance for them? Yes, it it is really relevant for them. But I think these guys, it's not because they are a small company that they don't understand. Uh, the necessity of it, you know, when when they when you tell these small uh, shop that if they don't protect their own logo, for instance, if a competitor is going to lose and steal the logo to 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 use their own their own you know competence and their own branding and their own image, they will understand that they need to protect it. If if they are not part of a network. And, and, and therefore they cannot receive the same level of quality of clothes or of shoes or whatever. Uh, and, and they need, if they, if they, if they understand that they have to pay the fees to be, to have this protection, they will get it immediately. If you are into a computer software and you are a small developer in a new startup and you develop an application, if uh, Apple Store or Google Play will put this application for free, and you don't get any revenue, you will understand that you're losing all money. So I think they're gonna, they, they really get it, that they need to be protected. And do you think, Paul, we're going to come now to the question of trade strategy. Uh, do you think policymakers get it when it comes to services? As I say, the attention tends to focus on the manufacturing world. Do they get it when it comes to the people that you represent? It's, it's more complicated. As, as I said, it's, it's, it's intangible and, and it's not always visible. But I mean, as a matter of fact, the text of the IP protection in trade agreements cover goods and services. You know, there are also some copyrights in some goods. There are also some, some 
in the computer software, the same protection that for your pattern sometimes. So the text are broad enough to cover services. So that's that's thing for, for us. Um, we haven't got sufficient study to really go deep into it to see whether we are sufficiently protected. But our first assessment is that normally it should be okay, and we haven't heard any complaint. It is something that you highlight uh, in the piece that you wrote for the study, this question of the availability about, of data about services, including this question of relevance and so on. And this seems to be a big problem. This study, the ESIP study, does help to close that gap a bit. But it does seem uh, that a lot more needs to be done. Why the, the lack of data and what gaps do we need to fill? Thank you very much, uh, Jackie, for putting this question. I mean... Yes, the availability of data about services trade is really poor, and it's even poorer for in, uh, intellectual property for services. So it is uh, the poorer children of the poors. So we are really calling the Commission to try it, and in Eurostat and the member states' statistical bureaus to increase efforts to collect data on services trade and on IP trade in particular. Because, you know, we have some, and the ser- we, we, we thank you very much ESIP and all the sponsors to include ESF and the services part in there to, to raise the attention on the need to get more, more information. We have some information on computer software uh, where there, there are some statistics and we can see that it is really important. But the, the, the statistics are not systematically collected and we believe that they are really underestimated. Uh, so we need to have much more attention uh, on this question to be sure that uh, in the future we will get more information also for helping the decision makers in the trade policy. And you also mentioned that we don't know enough uh, about whether EU free trade agreements uh, sufficiently protect those rights at the moment. You're calling for more research in this area. Again, what is it we don't know and and why don't we know? I mean, it would seem as, as we started this conversation talking about how important your sector is to Europe's economy, we should know, shouldn't we? We should know and... We, we want to know, and therefore we are going to do all efforts to be sure that we will be able to collect this data. Because as you said, the services economy is about 75% of the GDP in Europe. Less known is that 30%, 32% to be precise, is actually the total share of trading services compared to the total share of goods, of, of trading trade in total. So that is a very significant part. And if you look at another way of calculating trading services and, and trade in general and looking at trading value added instead of, of trade volume through the balance of payment, we can see that 59% of all the, tra- the value added of European trade is actually come from services sectors, which means that services is embedded into, into trading goods in the whole economy. And we talk about servicification. And that means that Services is everywhere, and we are going to have more and more of this because, uh, you know, we are in digital world, and digital is services, and therefore services is in, in, enshrined even more into the trading goods in general. So I mean, we need the, to get more. Yeah, the EU trade strategy acknowledges that because it says, and I'm quoting, trade will become more and more IP intensive over the next year, and it also says the service content of trade will increase. So do you feel that at the moment EU trade policy effectively addresses both those issues in tandem? uh, Or is there quite a lot of focus more on on the general uh, issue of the IP intensity of our trade, uh, but less on on services as we've been talking about uh, in this conversation? 
Yes, I think I think there is a very important focus on and geographical indication on on food uh, industry, which is well understood, and, and we don't have any problem with this. But we we feel that there are the poor children in this in this fight, and we would like to get more attention to have a stronger IP protection. I'm not saying that this protection is not there. I would like to have more survey to assess whether it is there or not. And the trade policy is only touching when we have either in WTO uh, in the trips agreement, but it is not well assess where the services part in here and also only covered when we have bilateral agreement. We don't have bilateral agreement with all countries in the world and, and the focus is going to be turning to Asia and to Africa in the future and we don't have much agreement with these countries in, in, and therefore we'll need protection uh, also in the future there. So, so when we look at what needs to be done to address these issues, I think I'm hearing very strongly from you that the first thing is to fill this knowledge gap to Absolutely. get that data, to get the research done. But do you already, in advance of that, have concrete things you want to see change in order to deliver a stronger IP framework for your sector? I think the first thing is to collect data. We need to know where the lack is and whether the protection is strong enough. And to do, to do that, we need to know where the protection is, is required. And therefore, to identify uh, the volume of IP into computer services, into franchising, into uh, copyrights, into the content of the audiovisual services, all of them, uh, to identify, properly know where we, we are and what is a lack in the protection or not. So it really is that knowledge gap first. And also, uh, just a final thought, one thing we've been talking about a lot is potentially one of the reasons why EU trade negotiators don't focus on this issue as much uh, when they're negotiating agreements is they don't get much pressure from member states to do it. Uh, member states tend to be focused on other things in trade negotiations, despite the fact that so many of our member states are dominated by services in their economy and so on. What would you say to member states who perhaps think, well, this issue doesn't matter as much as all the many other topics we tackle in trade agreements and we don't see why we should give this a priority? <laughs> Well, that's the tragedy of my work, I guess. Um, the, 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 the trade ministers are in charge of trade and most of them trading goods. For trading services, the services are in charge by other ministers, the finance ministers, the telecom minister, the energy minister, the justice minister, whatever you want. All of those different sectors are actually dominate, uh, run by other ministers than the trade minister, often also not in charge of all, all the decision in, in the cabinet and therefore it's a, one of the difficulty uh, we face that services uh, is not considered as, as something at the border and, you know, like the goods and therefore uh, it's about domestic regulation and domestic uh, cooperation in regulation which makes things more complicated and doesn't always come for the competence of the trade minister. Thank you very much indeed, Pascal. It really has been a great pleasure uh, talking to you. Over the next Make few pleasure. months, we will be unpacking the findings of this eSight study through a series of activities that include events, podcasts like this, and blogs that allow a range of experts to share their views. As part of this, we're focusing on several exciting topics, including, among others, the European Green Deal, pharmaceutical innovation, biotech and healthcare, the machinery equipment sector, counterfeit products, the importance of IP for the EU's small and medium-sized enterprises, and how IP can combat biodiversity loss. We invite you to join the discussion on social media using the hashtag IP in EUFTAs, and to follow our trade and IP webpage at esipe.org for all future updates.
Goodbye.